I don't know if you realize what is about to happen in just a few minutes. At 10.34 a.m., it's 6.34 p.m. in Jerusalem. At 10.34 a.m., it's 6.34 p.m. in Jerusalem. And at 6.34 p.m. today is Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the new year. We are literally in the real kingdom New Year's Eve right now. Oh, y'all, y'all, some of y'all got it. Some, I know we are, we are not in the Old Testament. We're grafted into the vine. Yes, yes. And if you don't understand that Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. Yes. That means that he came to fulfill every feast. Every feast and every celebration and every uh, thing that they do in Israel, Jesus is in it. It's all trying to show us Jesus. Are y'all hearing me, church? So new beginnings, I believe in the most prophetic year in the history of Israel. Are y'all hearing me? Do you understand that at 6.34 p.m., 10.34 a.m., they begin a new year in a month on the Gregorian which is our calendar, September, this month, almost October, in this month, in the month of Rosh Hashanah, is the first time in the history of Israel since A.D. 70 that perfect red heifers are on the soil in Israel. Now, if you don't understand what that means, that's, that's a red female cow that has been bred to be perfect. Not a single discolored hair on its body has been deemed appropriate by the priests of the Temple Mount Faithful and have flown five of them there. They're on the ground and they will turn of age according to Levitical law, whose ashes, they will burn them, and ashes are required according to the Levitical law to, to consecrate and dedicate a new temple. There's not a temple there. There's only the Dome of the Rock. But I want you to listen. In just a few minutes in Israel, they will blow the shofar. All over the nation of Israel and all over Jerusalem, especially on Mount Moriah, the sound of shofars will be blowing in just a, in literally 11 minutes. In a year that on the soil where the shofars are blowing are the required ashes, cows that will have the ashes to cleanse a temple that have not existed and have not been in the possession of the Levitical priesthood since A.D. 70. It's only been nine times in the history of Israel. This will be the tenth time. In the same week, this week, that for the first time ever in the history of the United Nations, the Prime Minister of Israel stood before the United Nations, I watched it, and said they are open to a two-state union. Meaning that they are for the first time ever declaring that they will accept the Palestinian nation. And the United Nations is prepared to create a nation without borders. Meaning open-ended. Meaning, 
They're going to always side with Palestine and not Israel. So there, therefore that means that much of, the, much of the land that Israel has shall be divided and the Temple Mount, part of East Jerusalem, shall be given to the Palestinian people. The only thing, Pastor Paul Begley said on my show, the only thing that he can think that could ever cause Israel to ever agree to divide the land, which was a direct command by God not to do, the only thing that could ever be offered to them to get them to agree to do that would be for the, for the Palestinian people to agree for them to build their third temple. Now look, we don't need the third temple. We're not looking for the Messiah. Are y'all hearing me? We're not trying to rebuild a temple and consecrate it with the ashes of a cow, hoping that the Messiah will come. He's already came. We know who he is. His name is Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach. Are y'all hearing me? But we don't take lightly. Because here's something about our Jesus. When he was here on this earth, he was Jewish. And he kept the Jewish feast. And most people believe, because we know that the word said that we don't know the day nor the hour when he will return. But most people believe that he will probably return somewhere in the, in the realm of the Feast of Trumpets. Because the Bible says at the last trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise. And then which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That's a fall Festival. Festival. That's where we're moving into right now. So they blow the shofar at the Feast of Trumpets 99 times. And they wait on that last time. And they don't blow it because it's reserved for the day that the Messiah comes. And it's called the last trump. And let me tell you something. That's, it's not by chance. Now, this was going to be in my message, but I'm going to go ahead and reveal it to you right now. So Rosh Hashanah begins in just a few minutes all over the world. Jewish people will be celebrating. In fact, our, even, our United States government shuts down. They close the House. They close the Senate. They close the Supreme Court. And they celebrate for 10 days. For 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to the day of the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is on Yom Kippur. Do you know when Yom Kippur begins this year? Do the math. If today is Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur begins on the opening night of Elevate Conference. When the sun goes down Tuesday evening, the Day of Atonement begins. And we will gather in this place on the Day of Atonement. We will gather in this place. My God, are you hearing me? In the midst of all the prophetical things that are happening all around the world, we will not take it lightly that the Day of Atonement, we will be gathered together in the house of God. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. For 10 days, there's fasting, there's reflection in the Jewish people. For 10 days, 
I'm challenging you to reflect. I'm challenging you to stir up. I'm challenging you to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I'm challenging you to be sent and go to where you are sent. Wash in Siloam. I'm challenging you for 10 days to not allow yourself to get caught up in the latest TikTok challenge or the latest whatever. I'm challenging you for 10 days. Turn the news off. Turn off everything that could distract you and stand between you and the encounter with God. Because I know you can have an encounter with God any day. I'm not trying to say that opening out of Elevate is any different than any other day. But it is different. Because even though in the natural, today's different. Today's just not Sunday. Today just happens to be a Sunday that falls on the, come on, y'all hearing me, on the beginning of Rosh Hashanah. That does not happen often. It falls on a Sunday here with us. It falls in five minutes from now. God begins to move the Jewish calendar into a cycle that is, a, that is unlike any calendar on the Jewish calendar at the very least since A.D. 70. Can you imagine what is going through the minds of those that are a part of the Temple Mount faithful that are still looking for the Messiah who's been blinded? The enemies blinded them from the Messiah of Jesus. When they walk out of their doors in the morning, because it's, it's getting dark over there, sun is going down. As, the, as they watch that sun disappear, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine? In Israel, in, in, in four minutes from now, they're all standing outside, those that are looking for the Messiah, watching that sun go down. And when that sun completely disappears over the mountain, their minds, those that are of the Jewish faith, that are religious Jews, their mind, they believe me, every religious Jew in Israel and every religious Jew around this world knows that the red heifers are in Israel. They know they're there. It was on every news outlet around the world. When they see that sun go down and they know what their prime minister just said, whether they're for or against it, they know that there are events happening in the spirit realm. When that sun disappears in three minutes, four minutes, they will know everything they need is in place. But how much more anticipation and excitement should we have? I'm covered in a talit. I'm covered in a prayer shawl right now. But this is just a piece of fabric. I'm covered in the Holy Ghost. I'm covered in the mantle of God. I'm, co I, I'm covered in the glory. I'm covered in the same power that the Messiah walked on. Greater is He that's within me than He that's within the world. But in the middle of Jerusalem, they don't get to be as vocal as you get to be. 
that there is a remnant of Messianic Jews who have been called to live in the homeland. And as they watch the sun go down, they're still Jews. They still, still celebrate Rosh Hashanah. They still celebrate Yom Kippur. But they celebrate it in a different way. Because the scales have fell from their eyes. They know what everything means. And we know what it means. I need my shofar. Now you think tonight when the children are Israel when the sun goes down in just a few minutes it's tonight for them and in two minutes they hear the sound of, shof of the shofar blowing, stay here with me, stay here with me blowing all over the city of Jerusalem do you think they go back inside and turn the game on? Do you think they check who's maybe made a comment on their Facebook post? I promise you this. The Jews of Israel are not allowing themselves to be distracted by anything. When they hear the sound of that shofar, they will shout with a great shout. Because they know it's just like what we do on New Year's Eve here. We just sort of feel like, we just sort of mythically feel like the old is gone and the new has begun. But it's different in Israel because it's a complete reset. Hold my microphone. I want to know if I have a church that knows that we are in a prophetic cycle like we've never been. And that you will take ownership of this moment. Take ownership of this moment. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. Ladies and gentlemen, in Israel... Right now. I'm going by my watch, not by that. And my, oh, there it is. There's a shift happening all over this world. Let me tell you something. They won't all do it because they didn't even do it when Jesus was standing in front of them. But many of the Jews that are seeking the Messiah because of the events I felt led to say this this morning in my office praying over Rosh Hashanah. Most of the people that have been raised in the Jewish faith have heard of the temple. They have longed for the temple. The only remnant they have of any semblance of a temple is what they call the Wailing Wall. 
Well, they stand and you'll see the priest every day rocking and saying and singing the word. And people from all over the world come and they have to dress appropriately to be there. It's a holy place. And you'll see people take little pieces of paper and slide it into the cracks of that wall because they, they, they are still in the mindset that the glory is inside those walls. They long for the glory. They long for the presence of God. But many of the Jews have heard of the temple all their life. They've heard of the things that must happen before the Messiah. And this morning it hit me. Those that don't even accept Jesus as the Messiah are more open and looking for the Messiah genuinely right now than probably in the history of modern Israel. They're not looking for Jesus. In fact, many of them are told that he's a devil. But the reality is this. If you're really looking for the Messiah, you will find him. And I got to believe that there is about to be a revival in the Jewish people. Hallelujah. All over this world because they are open to the spirit realm. They are believing the Messiah is coming more now than they ever have before. And before he ever splits the sky, he is about to reveal himself to people all over this world because he's about to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Let's not forget that Joel was the one that said that. He was not saying that to the Gentile church he was saying that to the Jewish people your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams they'll dream of the temple but your young men shall see visions they'll see a new temple coming are you hearing me they are hungry for the Messiah and the Messiah is hungry to reveal himself to them Bring me my pulpit. I'm ready to preach. Hey. Hallelujah. Come on. We'll do them announcement things and stuff and all that in a minute. But this is, this is the moment. You don't get very often to speak the word of God on Rosh Hashanah. Can I just be real with you? Today's rock group rally day. Somebody say amen. You need relationships. You need relationships. Do not leave this building today without stopping by and meeting these rock group leaders when it's over with. Okay? So no matter how this service goes, you, no matter how long it goes, you don't leave without stopping because you are not going to be able to survive in this moment without relationships. You're not going to be able to do it. If you don't have people in your life, let me tell you something. You are not uh, by yourself. You are not enough by yourself. Even with your relationship with God. But if God thought all you got to do is have a church service and have an encounter with Him. It's just you and Him. And you don't need nobody else. He would have never started the church. That's why we need the gathering here. If we need the gathering on Sundays, then you need to be able to gather with somebody out there. Amen? I'm going to flow for a minute. I'm just going to flow. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. It's one of them. 
I don't get to preach again for another three weeks, so. Mm. See, some of you had not prayed in the Holy Ghost in forever. Hey, it's a new year. It's a new beginning. You need to believe God. The Holy Ghost is about to refill you. Can I tell you something? The thing about, one thing about Rosh Hashanah is that the reason they get so excited about the new year is because they believe that God forgets everything and wipes everything, gives them a brand new reset. How about you believe God for a reset today? How about you believe God that no matter on, on Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the Jewish holy year, that you decide to be a, a new beginning for your life? Hallelujah. 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 Seven days from now, number of the Holy Ghost, number of completion. One week from today, about this time, the grandfather of this house, the father of your father, will be preaching a word that is on time, that he has never preached before, that God has given him specifically for this house in this year. He's been working on it for over a month. You better not ever let anything stop you from being here in Elevate Month, but you better this year make sure that nothing in hell, nothing in your life will ever take priority over the moment that you're taking ownership of. You need to be here every Sunday in October, and you need to be here every night of Elevate Conference. Ten nights. I want Miles Rutherford and Clint Brown to walk into something that they ain't never walked in in their life. I want them to know they just stepped into something. They don't have, they ain't coming to work anything up. They're going to know that when they walk in this place before they ever even get up on this platform, that something has shifted in this house. That they're in the middle of a true rib that revival. Bring people. And I'm going to be real with y'all. Can I just talk to you for a minute? I hope y'all know how to handle this. When I come in here that Wednesday night, I am not Pastor Larry Ragland. You don't treat Wednesday night because I'm preaching like you treat a Sunday. I'm coming in as Apostle Larry Ragland. I'm always operating in the apostle, but when I talk to you on Sunday mornings, I'm your pastor. But that Wednesday night of Elevate, I'm not talking to you as your pastor. I'm speaking apostolically out of this place into that camera and everybody that's here. Because we have pastors coming from all over. We have churches coming from all over. We have people that's got hotel rooms that are driving in from Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. They're coming in here for an apostolic move of God. So you get up and you pray for your pastor, but you declare, tonight my pastor is the apostle of this house. Tonight that Wednesday night my pastor is just like Miles just like Clint just like Rod Parsley ain't no different the same anointing that's on them is on him now you do what you want to do I can't make you do anything but I'm going to do what I'm going to do I know who I am in God you better find out who you are in God. I don't need you to do anything for me to know who I am in God. But you need 
to operate correctly so that you will be positioned to appreciate and take ownership of the moment. Because if you don't, it's just like Jesus when he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own house and in his own country. Everywhere he went, people were like, there's Jesus. Woo, holy man. Went home, they were like, what are you doing, carpenter's boy? You hear me? It's, it's a moment. Somebody say it's a moment. You, is that not mind-boggling that we will begin to elevate conference in the midst of everything that's going on in this world on the Day of Atonement? Do you know what the Day of Atonement ends? Do you know what they call those ten days? The ten days of all. A-W-E. The, the ten days of reflecting in awe over God and over who he is in our lives. So right now in Israel and all over the world begins the ten days of awe and culminates with the day of atonement where they believe that they need to make things right. But we understand that we can't do anything to make things right. All we can do is repent. Our atonement is in repentance. Our atonement is in the stripes of Jesus. Our atonement is in it is finished. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm doing a little treaching in just a minute. So... Last week, we preached about, the, about when Jesus spit into the dirt and made clay and anointed the eyes of the blind man. If you were here, say amen. And we showed you that there was something about the dirt because the dirt was cursed. But what is cursed gets anointed when it gets in the hands of God. And it's really anointed, it goes from curse to anointed, when God speaks and has something come out of his mouth and mixes and hits the curse. Somebody say, I'm dirt, but I'm in his hands. Woo, that means you're anointed. Somebody shout, that means I'm anointed. Look at somebody tell that means you're anointed. And I finished it by telling you that, 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 that this man had been blind from birth. He was at, not able to read the scrolls. He was not able to, to learn anything basically other than what he had heard. And I realized that the blind man in this story is a type and shadow of many in this generation. Who have been raised spiritually blind. And they have not been in an environment where they know anything about God. We have a very ignorant generation of God. Can I just say this boldly? We have an ignorant generation in the church of God. Not the denomination church of God. The church. The church of God. Are y'all here? Most people that even attend church regularly do not hardly even know anything about Scripture. They are alive, but they are blind. 
The only thing they know is what they've heard a preacher, an influencer, on somebody on TikTok say about God. And we, we shake our heads and wonder what has happened to our world. To our legitimate, for, for, for decades, well-respected hospitals around this nation, including children's hospitals, just this week, including Vanderbilt Hospital, which is considered to be one of the greatest hospitals in the world. It is little by little creeping out. They don't want nobody to know it, but people are having to take charge and go in and expose it. Are castrating boys in elementary school, turning them into girls, cutting off girls in middle school's breasts, and turning them into boys in the most legitimate hospitals ever. Threatening to sue anyone that ever even tries to expose them. Vanderbilt Hospital this week, when the expose got out and they admitted they had one of the lead physicians of Vanderbilt Hospital on a secret camera and secret microphone saying one of the main reasons that they want to do this is it's one of the most profitable things they've ever done. Because once you uh, create these uh, things that were not supposed to be created on someone's body, they're a lifelong hospital patient. They will have to pay money forever and it's a money racket for them. That's what abortion is is as a money racket that's what all of this is and we shake our heads and we say my God what is the answer Why? we need to vote for this candidate because this candidate says he's going to ban it do you realize how blind you are this is not a political result this is a result of the church being blind of the church compromising. Of the church having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Somewhere along the way, we thought our job was to make sure people were happy. It's not our job. Our job is to make sure people are holy. Are y'all hearing me? Now, just like that, here is this blind man. He don't know anything about God. He don't know anything about Jesus other than what he heard. And the last thing he heard about Jesus was Jesus asked him how long he had been blind. He heard the people accused. They wanted to know, was his father the sin, his mother the sinner? Was his uh, grandparents the sinner? What, who sinned in order for this to happen? And God said, the last thing he heard God say was these two things. One, he heard Jesus say, this is not the sins of anyone else, but that the glory and the works of God can be manifest in him. And the other thing he said was, okay, now go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Everything else he heard was the words of people who were trying to snare Jesus. So he comes back healed. And what do they do? Instead of rejoicing that he was blind, but now he can see. They try to use that to manipulate the, the power brokers into stopping what is coming. Because here's the reality. They all knew. Listen to me. They all knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But they openly fought it and crucified him because they knew it in their heart of hearts. 
But they were convinced because of that yan yad devil that started in the garden all the way up. They were convinced because the whole thing has been, if you do this, you'll be like God. You'll be like God. It is in man's nature to want to be their own God. So they thought, if I can shut him up, then we will not lose our power. We will not lose our money. We will not lose our influence. But if we openly say what we know can, is undeniable in the prophetic scriptures of what we see follow, uh, follow through in his life there's no doubt he's the Messiah but they could not say that publicly that because they were overcome by the devil and they knew even though he did a miracle we know that only God can do miracles we're going to have to use that miracle to make people think he's a devil so they brought him before the Sanhedrin and I won't go into all of it because it's not what I'm preaching today this is my introduction they said, is this the guy that, that everybody said was blind but now can see? People was like, he looks like him. He made him Looks like him. They called his parents in. They said to the parents, is this your son? Was he blind from birth? Listen to what the parents said in your scripture. The parents, the Bible said, knew. And I love this because it says it, literally says this in scripture. They knew that the priest had already said that if anyone agrees that he is the Messiah, they would be forever banned from the temple. So the the mama and the daddy, instead of getting excited that their son, who had never seen anything before in their life, was healed, they said, he's a grown man, ask him. We don't know who did it. They said, we, we're going to choose to not even get involved. Does that sound familiar? You have been groomed by woke preachers. Even though you know the truth, it's not your place to inject it. So you just need to stay out of the fray. How's that working out for us? While we stayed out of it and did not make any public commitment to the sanctity of marriage. While we didn't talk about life comes from God. And that the word of God said, I knew you before you was in your mama's womb. And I knew you in the womb and called you by name in the womb. We stayed out of it. Now you're being told to stay out of it. I'm talking about they're not just, they're, these social networks are not just banning, shadow banning, and hiding the big preachers, they're hiding those that ain't got hardly no followers. The moment you say anything, you go into an algorithm that nobody can see you. Because they want you to believe that you're, that you're saying stuff, that you're making a change. And you're so proud because when you go to your profile, it's there. But nobody else sees it. It's deception. It's be, we're being taught to stay out of it. Well, you can stay out if you want to. I'm not staying out of it. When I look at my little grandbaby, she gets up on my knees and I look at her and she's loving on me and she's talking about Jesus. Well, you're brainwashing her. You're brainwashing her. Yep. It's called taking on the mind of Christ. It's not brainwashing like a, a cult, but it's, it's putting things in her brain that she will be able to override the things the devil's going to try to put in her brain. She got sick the other night. She came in there and she, she after the night after being sick, she came in and I said, how you feeling, baby? You got any more head? This is what she said. She said, pow, pow. That's what she said, so country. Pow, pow. 
That headache tried to, tried to be the headache a little bit. But I told that devil to get off of me. That's what she said. She said, I told that devil, get out. I told that. Then my arm started hurting. And I looked at my arm and I told that devil, get off of my arm. Old Papa's chest stuck out. But it ain't me. It's, it's her parents. Her parents are awesome. They train her in the ways of the Lord like I've never seen. It's incredible. They said, well, we're going to give you a chance to talk. But first, we're going to tell you right now that the words you say are important. So if you really want to give glory to God, we're going to give you a chance to give glory to God. This is exactly what it says. Give glory to God and tell us that the one that did this to you was a devil. That's how you can glorify God, by saying that he was a devil. That he was a sinner. Because he did this on the Sabbath. He goes, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be real with you all right now. I know what y'all want me to say. I ain't got no scripture to quote. I ain't never been in church service in my life. I don't know how them people do church. I don't know how y'all do church. I don't know what he is. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he came from. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. That's all I know. That's all I know. You can call him anything you want to call him, but I ain't blind no more. That's what's going to happen. We got a generation who don't know nothing, nothing about God. But if you'll be the light... I'm talking about there's about to be some scales fall. And they're going to be, y'all of a sudden you're going to start seeing people that you never, ever, 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 ever dreamed would be on fire for God. And they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know a single scripture. They can't even quote John 3, 16. But they're inviting people to church. They're praying for the sick. I'm telling you right now, that's the kind of revival this is going to be. Because we don't have time for them to take 10, 15 years to learn how to pray for somebody. In fact, here's what's happening all over the world. This ain't in my notes. I'm about to make a show about this. You need to be following me on, on YouTube because I say things on YouTube I don't say here. You need to get on there and follow me. I'm about to make a show. How many's ever heard of Max Lucado, the author? How many's ever heard of the author Francis Chan? All right, these are just two of the examples that, that I'm going to talk about in, in this show. But here's the reality. They are lifelong cessationists, meaning their entire ministry, they have believed that the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues died off with the apostles. They have written hundreds and hundreds of books. They are superstars in the, in the, in the Southern Baptist world and all the other Baptists. I'm not being critical there. But the, any kind of denomination that don't believe in the charismatic gifts of the spirit but you know what in the last year and a half both of these men in their papa age both of them tell the same story they were just they're just hungry they came out of this pandemic and both of them sat in the middle of it one of them was out in the middle of the pandemic praying in his house max Lucado, a lifelong cessationist i watched him tell this story he said i was just in my room praying like i pray every night and i said god if i'm gonna finish this race i just want everything you got and he said the next thing i know i was speaking in tongues hallelujah and he said I pray in the Holy Ghost every day of my life oh my God are y'all hearing me God is filling people who said they don't even believe in it who has influence with millions of people that don't believe in it but people are going to say well my God if Max Lucado speaks in tongues if Max Lucado is filled with the Spirit if Max Lucado is like Francis Chan spoke at a church it's a charismatic church 
And he said, I want y'all to know I'm privileged to be here. This was two years ago. He said, I'm privileged to be here. But I don't mean this to be critical. I don't know what you know about me. I've seen all these manifestations that have happened. I've seen you praying over people. I've seen people falling out. I've seen, I've heard people speaking in tongues. I believe that, that probably, this is what he said, probably this is, this is for the body, but I don't believe it's for me. Because if it was ever happened, I've been serving God for so long, I've asked him, I want everything that he has, and it, it must not be for me. So I want everybody to know that I don't judge you, but I don't speak in tongues, and I don't think I'll ever speak in tongues. I don't I lay hands on the sick because I, because I don't know if I really believe I've got the authority to do that. He said that at that church. Well, guess what? Something happened and something triggered inside of him that night when he preached in that church. He didn't tell anybody, but he went back home and he started saying, I, I felt something. Something happened. I don't know what it is. God, God, I don't want none of that crazy stuff. I don't want to do none of that crazy stuff. I just want what you got. And my God, without a preacher, without anybody laying hands on him, without somebody blowing on him, without somebody anointing oil, he just raised his hands and said, God, I want everything you got. And God filled Francis Chan with the Holy Ghost. My God, he began to speak in other tongues. And he says, now when he goes, everywhere he goes, he tells them, I want you to know before you go here tonight, God's not going to let me leave you without praying that he'll heal you. My God, he now believes in his old age that Jesus still heals the sick. So they're not, they're not being quiet about it. At this phase in both just those two men's ministries. Financially. Influence. And their reputation. Would say. I mean you ain't in your 30's. Come on you're in your 60's. And 70's. Who knows how long you got. Why ruffle the feathers now. Why stir the water now? Look, you want to pray in the Holy Ghost? Just do it in the privacy of your home. Just don't talk about it. Because you know if you talk about it, all those people that you've been leading for 30 and 40 and 50 years and all the hundreds of books that you wrote didn't say nothing about the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit. You know, they might stop buying your books. They might unsubscribe from your YouTube channel. You know what Max Lucado did? Nope. I'm going to write a book about the Holy Ghost. And his last book that he's out got out right now. And now y'all help me pray. I'm believing God. I'm going to get him on my show, praise God, to, to promote the book. And the book is about flowing in the Spirit. So if you got friends and you got loved ones that are cessationist, Calvinist, think you're a devil. Just keep living it. Don't be shy. Speak it. All right, listen to me right now. This ain't got nothing to do with the sound stage. This has everybody that has anything to do with media. Wherever my receiver is, I want that thing moved somewhere else to, today. I don't want that anymore. We've got to move it. If it's got to be moved somewhere else, I don't want that cutting out anymore. Because when the guests come in here, I don't want them cutting out. Amen? So y'all help me. Wherever it's at, it needs to be moved. It's in a hollow spot. And the, the all hollow spot is right here. This is, come on, are y'all hearing me? Everybody say done. Okay. My OCD said, do it now or you'll, it'll drive you crazy the rest of the service. Now I feel good. I'm, I'm released. You just keep living it. They're going to see something in you that they don't have in them. Because I got news for you. A cessationist, and I don't mean to be critical. I'm not criticizing. I'm not saying that people are not believers if they believe a cessationist doctrine. 
or even a Calvinistic doctrine. But I'm just telling you right now, a Calvinistic cessationist doctrine is not going to sustain you in what is coming. Because you are not going to know what to pray. Your spirit is going to need to be found praying for you. You need a relationship with God. You need the gift of discerning of spirits. You need words of knowledge. You need words of wisdom. You need the gift of faith. You need the gift of healings. I thought I'd get a better shout than that. So now what's this? I got to thinking about it. After we, had, after we preached that message last week, on my way to Marietta, Georgia, for rather the remnant at Pastor Miles Church, I was in the truck by myself, and I was just thinking, I was still just sort of reeling from the anointing. I was just in my, uh, take the show, drive down the road, but I just couldn't get my mind off of everything, the download that was happening. And then I started thinking about Jesus, I don't know if this is the right words. It's probably not the right words because it sounds a little bit disrespectful, but I'm not meaning to be disrespectful. He had an unusual fascination with dirt. And I realized it wasn't a fascination. It was him being who he was from the beginning, reminding himself, reminding the flesh of himself of who he really is. Because who he really was and who he really is is not the flesh of a Jewish man from Galilee. He was the word of God made flesh that dwelt among us. Who he really is and who he really was, even when he walked on this earth, is the word that was with God and the word that was God. Are you all hearing me, church? He was the one that said, let us make man in our image. He was the one that fashioned man from the clay of the earth. He was the one that breathed life into that clay statue. And man became a living soul. So as we said last week, when he made the mud, he was sort of recreating what he had done in the garden. But I started thinking about this other story in Scripture where the Bible says that we know her as the woman who was caught in adultery. In the same book, in fact, right before what we preached last week, which was from John chapter 9, is John chapter 8, which was not chapters really. It was a letter, but we put them in chapters so that we can understand them and memorize them. But I want to show you the big picture of how we got to the pool of Siloam. Are you with me? Say Amen. I'm going to preach for about another 20 minutes. Then I'm going to prophesy for another 30. <laughs> John chapter 8 verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, which by the way, I want to say this to the soundstage too. My mic sounds great right now. How you got it? Save that bad boy. Because I like this sound. This is good. Okay, everything is good. So let's give our media stage a hand for all the hard work they do back there. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and sat down and, ta and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman called in adultery. But when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act, 
Somebody say, in the act. Do you all know what that means, right? That doesn't mean that she was having an emotional relationship on Facebook Messenger. No. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. But what do you say? It's a test. It was, it was a trick. They said testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. Can I stop and say right now, this was never about the woman. Never about the woman. Okay? But Jesus did what? He stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Ain't that awesome? I mean, that mean, basically means he's doing like this. Oh, you said something? I didn't hear you. He heard them. But he responded as if they were not even there. Now there has been sermon after sermon after sermon. Pastor Brad Graydon, I love you, by the way. And you, Haley. And it's in the dark. I can't tell who the other one is. I have no idea who you are, but that hat in the dark. But I love you, whoever you are. We preach sermon after sermon after sermon about what did he write? You ever heard sermons on that? What did he write? And of course, the prevailing thing is that he begins to write the sins of the men that are standing there because the Bible says it does, it sort of makes sense because the Bible says one by one, beginning with the older, they begin to leave. It's almost like, and I can see why people would preach that, that it started out, you know, you know, Johnny over there, he's the oldest one. He just writes, Johnny. <laughs> and Johnny's standing there and he just writes one big sin that Johnny's done, and Johnny's like, and, and, the, and, the, and the Bible says one by one, beginning with the eldest, they, they dropped their rocks and they walked away. Are y'all hearing me? Let me just read it to you. So when they begin to continue to ask him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at him first. And again he stooped down. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground twice. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, went one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw that no one was there but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let me just tell Tell you that's the same thing he said with the blind man I am the light of the world I must work while it's day for the night comes when no man can work he is in a teaching series as he's going along everything I do is a different manifestation of the same thing I am light I illuminate the darkness Sicknesses in darkness. Lies are in darkness. Uh, confusion is in darkness. Depression is in darkness. Death is in darkness. Poverty is in darkness. Whatever lives in darkness, when I show up, they run. They cannot stand against me when I show up. You were the darkness here, not this woman. You, in fact, it, 
I sort of believe, gospel cordillera, no way I can prove this scripturally, that while she was on her knees not saying anything, I believe she was repenting. Because she realized, I mean, you, you realize you're about to be stoned. She didn't know what Jesus was going to do. You, you're about to check out of this world. So, so if you were caught that act and you're about to be stoned that act, if you realize you was about to die in a few minutes, you'd be making things right with God. She was on her knees trembling. But it was never about her. Can I tell you something? The Bible says she was caught how? In the act. Let me tell you what I mean, what I believe. I believe one of the priests was in there with her hooking up. I believe one of the men that was standing there with a rock in his hand was one of the ones that was in her bedroom. Because they had to find, a, find out a way to protect one of their own. And those that are in the world will never turn on their own. The only religion in the world that shoots their wounded is us. You'll never hear a Muslim go against another Muslim. you ever hear a Buddhist speak on TV against another Buddhist. But you'll get a pastor that will stand in front of a pulpit on a Christian television network and call out another pastor when they mess up. We're the only ones that shoot our wounded. Just good preaching, say amen. They knew that if she got punished, they would receive no repercussions. And for the sake of the big picture of what the world is trying to do through this pandemic and everything that's happened around this world, the division, the racial division, and all this stuff that has happened, it's all turned out to make anyone who speaks with a biblical view the enemy that needs to be stoned. If you have a biblically view, biblical view, worldview, you are going to be spiritually destroyed, stoned, spiritually stoned. And in, in your influence, your voice, your influence in the community and in the world will be taken away. While anyone who has a microphone and a pulpit that calls themselves Christians that will compromise their conviction and speak the gospel of wokeism, they are giving the platform on the largest stage. Y'all hear me? So both times that we see this, it, chapter to chapter, within just a few verses of each other, Jesus makes a point to reverse the curse with his hand in the dirt. So I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think the significance that began to hit those that were holding the rocks had anything to do with what he was writing. It had everything to do with the fact that he was writing. I don't think he was writing about them. I think he was writing about himself. I think he was letting them know who they're dealing with. And even if he wasn't, it doesn't matter because all that matters is what he was really doing. He's putting one finger. He was trying to show you the whole earth. Can you imagine if you were to weigh and measure the volume of dirt on this planet? And watch this. Even under the water that covers two-thirds of this earth, you go far enough, you hit mud. 
There is soil on this whole earth. Some is above water, a lot is underwater. And it's all cursed. Because it was all cursed in the garden. But Jesus said, here's, here's what you need to know about me. The whole earth's curse is reversed with one finger. He didn't even grab the dirt. He just stuck his finger in it and started carving in it. And the curse began to scream out. Are y'all hearing me? Adultery began to scream out. Lies began to scream out. Because when he put his finger in the dirt, the curse realized. That's why the Bible says creation is groaning. Because, watch this, I'm not trying to be spooky here because I don't believe a, a tree can talk to you and it's got a soul and all this. But all of it was created by God. And, and somehow, some way, some shape or form, the, even the creation knows its only help of redemption is not a law being passed in, in Washington. You want to talk about climate change? There's climate change, but it's the climate in the spirit realm is changing. You want to talk about something heating up? The Holy Ghost is heating up. You can believe what you want to believe about the climate. God's called us to manage it. Watch this. God has called the, the watch this, the climate and the earth and the environment to serve us. He did not call us to serve the environment. Watch, oh my God, because we have dominion. And if you don't believe that, you have bought into the lie. That don't mean you can't take care of this. Oh, I can't stand another more in this world to see somebody destroying God's nature. Makes me sick to see people doing anything to destroy the beauty of God's creation. But the Bible tells us specifically in the book of Romans, that last generation will worship the creation more than the creator. So Jesus just said, listen, I know what I said in the garden. I'm the one that said it. But I can, t watch this, when he made that mud and put that on the blind man's hand, the earth was still cursed when he walked away. But not the mud that was in his hand. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Everybody else around you may be headed to hell. That don't mean you got to be. Because the moment you was headed to hell, and you, you should have been headed to hell, you deserved hell. Jesus scoops you up and puts you in his hand in the midst of people all around you going to hell. You ain't going to hell because the curse just got reversed. Am I preaching right? Say amen. Now watch this. This is powerful. This is timely. Now we go back from that moment to the scene that set it all up. We're going to go back and just, just real quick. I've got a couple of scriptures to read in chapter 7 and chapter 8 and 1 and chapter 9. All of this happened at a very specific moment. John chapter 7 verse 37 says this. On the last day the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Ooh, this is powerful. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You ever heard this before? Watch this, but we'll put it in context. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. You ever heard that? But this he spoke concerning the spirit. 
whom those believing him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But they were greatly offended at this statement. And it was not for the reason that you think. It wasn't for the reason that he was proclaiming himself to be, have the ability to give you the Spirit of God. He, they were upset because they had just completed what is known as the Feast of Tabernacles. And each day during the Feast of Tabernacles was a joyous celebration. And every day of the Feast of Tabernacles was observed in which the priest would bring water in, symbolic of the water supplied from the rock. They, remember when Moses spoke to the rock and water came out of the rock? Remember that? But this is what would happen in the days of Jesus at the Feast of Tabernacles. They would remember and observe the water coming from the rock. And each day, the priest would bring water in a vessel from the pool of Siloam. Three people got it. The pool of Siloam, not a water bank, not, a, not, not where water was, not a water hole, not a river. They were specifically instructed to go to one body of water. During the Feast of Tabernacles, they took the water from the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And during that Feast of Tabernacles, they would bring the water from the pool of Siloam as a priest in their hands, trying to remind them that they are God's chosen vessels to remind you of the great stories of what happened in the wandering of the wilderness. But at the end of that celebration, Jesus doesn't use any of their water. There was water around them from the pool of Siloam. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. That he could have taken their water and made the clay. But he said, I'm going to show you something. Oh, I want to show the people here and the blind and those that are around here that what this man needs is not what you can provide. Woo, some of y'all going to get it 2 o'clock in the morning. This is all happening in the same chapter. It is an absolute historical fact that they've got the water from the pool of Siloam. Nowhere else. So when it's time to make the, the mud, the clay, he doesn't use that water. He uses his mouth. Because what's in me? What did he say? What did he just say? You can't do it now because I haven't sent it, sent him yet. But when I spit in this clay, you don't get it now, but you'll get it one day. That it wasn't spit that came out of me. It was living water. Are y'all hearing me? It was living water. Because right after that he says, you have heard it said, but I'll tell you it saying to you that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
You don't need the water of a priest. When I do what I've come to do, you'll be able to spit on the dirt in your life as well. You'll be able to call those things that are not as though they were. If a mountain rises up against you, where you'll be able to speak to that mountain and say unto that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. My God, in my name, you'll open up your mouth and cast out devils. You don't get it yet. It don't make sense yet. See, the priest wants you to stay locked down to them. But I want you to be released to see that you can bring the water of Ceylon. He used that blind man to show us what the ministry looks like. He says, while everybody else is trying to get you to stay up under the thumb of the preacher, to stay up under the thumb of the big time preacher man, all of this, find you a church that believes that God wants to empower you, equip you for the work of the ministry that's going to send you to the pool of Siloam so that when the walk, so that when the scales fall from your eyes, you'll come back out. Listen, he didn't come out. The blind man didn't come back out with a, with a jar of the pool of Siloam. He came out covered in the pool of Siloam. He came out with a story from the pool of Siloam. And when he stood there before the priest, and the priest said, was he a devil? Was he a devil? He could have said it this way. I don't know if he is who he is or not. All I know is I'm still wet. I still got something all over me. I got the, what you got on you? I got the water from the pool of Siloam. I've been sent. And it went now, I don't even realize it now, but I understand now. I've been sent to you, priest. I've been sent to you, preacher man. I've been sent to all of y'all to tell y'all, y'all got it all wrong. I once was blind, but now I see. He may not be who I, you think he is, but you ain't never done this for me. I've stood before you my whole life. Ain't nobody, none of y'all ever got me healed. My mama couldn't do it. My daddy couldn't do it. The preacher man couldn't do it. The church couldn't do it. The doctor couldn't do it. But some guy, I don't even know who he was spit in some mud rubbed it on my eyes and all I know is I was blind but now I see that river of living water got on his eyes you got to start weighing scripture these things shall you do greater shall you do if I go to my father in other words Power that's in my mouth that reverses the curse is going to be in your mouth to reverse the curse. I can speak to the dead and tell the dead to come forth and live. You can. I can lay hands upon the sick and they'll recover. You can. I can cast out devils. You can. Because what's on me and in me is going to come in you and on you. See, here's the problem with the modern church. Why God is anointing true remnant-minded people, even if they were raised in an environment of a cessationist environment, is because God, if God has still got them here in this remnant, He has to have them filled with the Holy Ghost if they're going to be a voice in this moment. Do y'all hear me? He said some bold things. I'm going to go real quick. 
John 8, 28, he says, Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And I do nothing of myself, but my Father taught me. I speak these things. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. John 8, 32, he says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, if, you were, if God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I found of myself, but, you, but he sent me. John 8, 48, then the Jews answered and said, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. These are the kind of things he said before they ever brought the woman. It wasn't about the woman. It was about she being used as a pawn to get him. And then the one that really got him and probably stuck so deep in their crawl that they, that, that drove, them, drove them all the way to the crucifixion. So he said, okay, okay. How many know sometimes you can say things, say things, say things, and then at some point you just got to say, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I, it's apparently you, you ain't get what I'm saying. Boom, this is what I'm saying. And he drops the bomb and everybody's like, oh. <gasps> So he's saying all this stuff in code, pretty much so. And then he just says, no, 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 no. Let me just, let me just make it very clear for those in the back that don't get it. Then the Jews said to him, you are not even 50 years old, verse 57. And you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say before Abraham was, I am. Notice this in capital letters, which is the secret name of God, the, na the name of God that when, when Moses was standing before God and he said, when I go tell, my, tell them to let my people go, who do I tell Pharaoh sent me? You said, you tell them, I am has sent you. I am. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father but by me. I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. Sound familiar? The stones were, even at, this is a different event, but even at the event of the woman caught in adultery, was said to be for the woman. But let me ask you a question. Do you think if he would have said anything other than the what he would, when he stooped down into the ground and ignored them? If he would have stood up and said all of this at that moment, do you think they would have walked away? They were ready for this. The stones were for Jesus. But Jesus was awesome, y'all. Jesus was, can I just say Jesus was cool? Jesus was bad, y'all. He was bad, okay? Bad in a good way. Got it? Y'all still say that? Y'all still say that's bad. Y'all say that anymore? What? You do? Thank you. Say, that's my son there. He's a bad man. I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, he, they'd be like, okay, okay, we got him now. We got him now. What authority does John the Baptist preach? And Jesus uh, thought to himself, well, if I say he's of God, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I tell you what, no, no, they ask him about what authority he preaches. And he says, I'll tell you what, before I tell you about what authority I preach, why don't you tell me about what authority John the Baptist preaches? And they said within themselves, well, if we say he's of God, then we look like idiots. But if we say he's not of God, these people will turn on us and kill us. Well, we couldn't say. And he goes, well, neither am I going to say. Mic drop. Just walks off. 
Jesus understood. Ain't time for me to die yet. Anybody's going to hit me with a rock? She just gets down there and just starts singing a song. I'm almost through. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees, back to John 7, 45, who said to them, we have not, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no one has ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered him, saying, are you also deceived? Having any of the rulers, have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had came to Jesus by night, being, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge, judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. They called out one of the most powerful, knowledgeable men in the world because he just had a semblance of support for Jesus. What they didn't realize Jesus had some people on the inside. Nicodemus left that balcony that came in the middle of the night and gave his life to Christ. We know that Nicodemus was a believer. We know that Joseph of Arimathea was a believer because he, they were, he was on the Sanhedrin as well. And Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea was, was in, in, in very instrumental in taking even the body of Jesus down and putting it in his tomb. So he's standing there, he's hearing all this, and he speaks up and he says, wait a minute, should we not at least hear him? And the moment they said that, that's all he said. He didn't even say, I'm a believer. I, I, he told me something about being born again, and I'm born again now. He didn't say nothing. All he said was, shouldn't we at least hear him before we judge him? And they said, what is wrong with you? What has happened to you? Have you become one of those people of that, in that cult? That's what they'll do to you. So you better make a decision. You better draw a line in the sand. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not a fear monger preacher. I don't, I don't preach prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about asteroids and earthquakes. Although, I was listening to one of my covering men of God in my life, Dr. Rod Parson, this morning, live from his church. And he said, I told my staff this week, this morning, he said, did you know there's been 120 earthquakes uh, recently, they said, this year, he said, no, this week. It's one of the largest recorded weeks of earthquake activity in the history of seismic tracking. This week. What happened this week? The red heifers, the United Nations stood before every nation. And the prime minister of God's nation, he's the first prime minister to ever do it. Netanyahu would have never done it. He gets up there and says, I'm agreeing to a tentative plan to divide the land. And the earth shook. Jesus said in the last days, there's all kinds of things you're going to see that's going to happen. But look up. For your redemption draweth nigh. See, we're not scared. We're excited. Revelation does not scare us. It excites us. Because before the rapture, there's the revival. In the middle of the falling away, there's the revival. You can be a part of the falling away, or you can be a part of the revival. I choose to be a part of the revival. I wish you'd get up on your feet and shout, I am revival! Shout, I am revival! I am revival! I am revival!
Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, it's time to get your hands dirty. Woo! Did y'all get that? Jesus understood when something needed to happen and something, a, a curse needed to be reversed, he'd get his hands dirty. Because we're made of dirt. That's what Adam means is dirt. Dust we came into this earth, dust we shall leave. It's time to do the dirty work. That's what God said to me this morning. God, I'm calling my people to do the dirty work. I'm calling my people to stick their hands in the dirt. I'm calling. That's why he said you want to see somebody healed? Lay hands upon them and they shall recover. Because when you lay hands on them, you're sticking your fingers in the dirt. Come on, somebody. You're reversing the curse. What the devil says gets reversed when you got the Holy Ghost in you. Because that river of living water comes out and that comes out of your mouth and you touch the dirt oh come on somebody when you touch the dirt when you touch the dirt when you touch the clay when you touch the clay the anointing of God comes in your hand and God does through you what he did through himself it's time to get your hands dirty it's time to do the work it's time to get off the bench it's time to quit saying, oh, I just, I'm just recovering. I just need to sit back and not do anything. You, you're going to sit back and not do anything, and, you, and you're gonna, Jesus is going to come back, and you're going to regret it. You work while it's day. For the night's coming when no man can work. Work while it's day. The night is coming when you will not be able to work. And I'm not telling you to sacrifice your family. I'm not telling you to sacrifice your peace of mind. Well, I'm going to tell you something. One of the most detrimental terms that has ever crept into the modern body of Christ is this, is, is this one word, burnout. People will use that word and they'll use it this way. Now, I believe you ought to serve God, but I don't want you to burn out. I don't want to see you burn out. Let me tell you something. You're on fire for God, you're on burnout. Serving God does not burn you out. If you was in church every night of the week, that don't burn you out. What burns you out is that you ain't doing nothing at home to stay hydrated when you're being emptied in the house. All you got, the reason you burn out is what little bit of fire you got in your life. You blaze when you're in here, but there's no fire in your life out there. You're not putting any wood on the fire. You're not stirring the fire. Are y'all hearing me? A child of God, especially a remnant child of God, does not burn out. Now, if you need to take some time off mentally, you need to take some time off to recover, you take it off. But you say out of your mouth, this is short. This is quick. I need some time away. I need some time off. But I want you to know, whoever you tell it to that's in authority over your life, you speak it out so the devil ain't got no way to twist it. You say, but I want you to know, I got to do this. I got to do this for my family. But I want you to know, it is going to be short. When I'm I'm being intentional, I'm going home, and I'm putting a log on the fire in my spirit realm. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to disconnect from the voices of of darkness and I'm going to get on my face before God so that he can heal me so that he can restore me so that I can get back in the game because it's still daytime and I got work to do Uh, can I just I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings and this is not directed towards anybody if you think it's directed towards you then you probably need to get your heart right with God because you got a sense of the spirit Spirit of offense, because I ain't talking about nobody. 
But I'm going to tell you something right now. There are people in this church that can't even open the door. You can't even make yourself stand back there and shake somebody's hand. You don't want to do nothing. You don't want to do nothing in this house. And you think you've got a right to do nothing because you've, you've done your duty. Well, you still living? God ain't through with you. There are some of you that will get a sniffle and you'll stay home. You'll sleep late and look at the clock 10 minutes later than what you normally get up and you'll roll over and watch the live stream. But I'm telling you right now, I'm looking, I won't call them out, but I'm looking at men and women right now in this house that have been in the hospital this week. One man that's in this building right now is it was in the hospital with heart problems, chest pain, possibly thinking that it might be going into a heart attack world last night. Another man. Blood pressure through the roof. I mean on a scale that would kill most people. One of them, that just a matter of days ago, blood pressure was so high, they did not even want him walking around and even moving because it could kill him. I pull up. He's unloading multiple cases of water by himself. Outside, before anybody even gets in the door, he's loading them outside for the Butterbean Festival. Nobody's helping him. I said, my God, brother, do you need some help? I got it. I got it. Jesus touched me. Jesus healed me. Another man in the hospital this weekend, devil trying to tell him he's going to die. I called him this morning just to pray for him. Hoping he's got the ability to watch the live stream. I said, you going to stay home today and rest up? He goes, this was his words. Why would I stay home? Because at the house is where the action is. So he's in this room. He, he, had a, he was on his way to a heart attack this week. But he's here and he's serving. And they're serving and they're doing the work of the ministry. But you want to you you just continue. You're still in a, in a two and a half year takeoff. Do the work. Because when you don't do the work, somebody is not served. If you need a sabbatical, if you need time, put a time limit on it. So I'm going to tell you, no matter how long it takes me, or how long I think it takes me, 30 days. I'm back in the game. If in 30 days from now I feel the same way I felt right now, then guess what? The sabbatical didn't work. That ain't what I needed. That ain't what I needed. Because if God told you to take time off, he'd have done for you in the sabbatical what he's supposed to have done for you. But if he didn't do it for you, then that wasn't the answer. Get back to work. Am I still your pastor? You just happen to have a pastor that will say what other pastors won't say. Because you know what I always heard all my life, and I just sort of thought, oh, I don't know about that. But they just say, the older you get, the less you care. It's true. 
It's true, man. You just be like, you know, hey, what? You know, here's the thing. You want me to be your pastor? I'll be your pastor. You don't want me to be your pastor? Hope you find one. Be blessed. Because maybe this ain't where you're supposed to be. Because here's the thing. I ain't begging nobody to stay anymore. Right? If you, if you want what's in here, you'll be here. If you want what's on your pastor, you'll be here. You'll support your pastor. If you want, if this is your church, you won't miss a night of Elevate Conference. Because you've taken ownership of this moment. You won't be here late. You won't worry about, if you have to work late, you won't worry about, well, i got to have time to go home and take a shot. No, you will come from work in your work clothes. Because you know there's work to be done. Well, somebody hurt my feelings. What in the world? Jesus was called the Lord of the Flies. Jesus is healing people, setting people free, and they call him Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. Some of y'all get mad because somebody didn't shake your hand as, as you were going out. Jesus, Jesus is like, whatever. I know who I am. See, when you know who you are, nobody can define you. Throw your hands up right now, all of this house. Come on. Say this as loud as you can say it. I rebuke and I renounce. Lazy spirits. Offended spirits. Childish spirits. I am not a baby. I'm not called to sit on the sideline. I am called to do the work of the ministry. If I'm tired, I'm carrying the wrong yoke, the wrong weight. I take my yoke, I take the burden, and I give it to you. Jesus, I take yours. Yours is light. Yours is easy. I will walk in it. I will not make it happen. You will make it happen. I am refreshed. I am renewed. I am called to this moment. I am remnant. I am a voice in this moment. My hands are your hands. My feet are your feet. My body is your body. Here I am. Use me. Send me. I've been in the pool of Siloam. I've been washed. I once was blind. Oh, you ain't you getting quiet. It ain't as loud as it was. I once was blind. But now I see. I know who my God is. And I know who I am. Here I am. Send me. 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 Now give him a shout. Come on. Come on. That ain't no shout. Give him a Rasasana shout. Give him a line of Judah roar. Make some noise if you know you've been sent in this moment.